Um, I'm just going to pray for Pete. Father, thank you for Pete. Thank you um, that he's here to speak to us this morning. Please bless him as he blesses us. Amen. Amen. As you do. There we are. Yeah, we're on the air. Great to be with you. Uh, thank you for that encouragement to dance uh, this morning. Really appreciate it. When I was 40, I could dance and sing. When I was 50, I could dance or sing. When I was 60, if I danced, I couldn't sing. And now uh, I'm 70. I can just about sing, but uh, I want you to know that in the 80s, we used to leap about like the wild man of Borneo, and we still are in our hearts, but our feet don't move so well, and we're a little bit limited. Uh, and I'm looking around, and I can see some smiles from some grey-haired gentlemen who also in, their eight, in the 80s were leaping around, but... Uh, are struggling to do it, but we're still up for it, aren't we? Yes, we are. So it's good to be here to, today. Uh, a couple of months ago, I met with Theo and uh, talked with him just to catch up and say hello because we moved to uh, Eastleigh and a part of the Thrive Church there and uh, just was catching up. And I asked him uh, for an opportunity to share uh, about my latest book, um, and uh, he said, oh, I'd love to have you do that. Will you speak when you do it? So here I am today. Uh, he obviously knew when I was coming and arranged to go uh, away on the week that I'm here, but uh, um, I'll leave you uh, to deduce your own responses to that. Um, but I've written, uh, uh, which will be my last book, my fourth book called Our Journey. And uh, we called it Our Journey because it's the story of, uh, of Irene and I's walk with God. We've been 50 years in ministry, uh, and uh, uh, it's about our journey. God spoke to us, led us, guided us. Uh, several people have read it. Phil Orchard wrote this amazing eulogy. Eulogy? No, amazing uh, uh, write up on the uh, on the book to and sent it to me and Mike Evans caught me this morning said oh I'm really enjoying the stories in your book and uh, of course uh, you may identify with them because our journey is not just about Irene and I it's about things we've been involved in and many of you here have been involved in school of ministries the church supports financial school of ministries and the stories. Uh, of how that came into being, what God has done through that ministry. It's all here uh, in the book. And it's only pounds. What do you think about that? Not a lot, obviously. What's going on? You're, am I you're banging away. Can I give you this instead? Yes. Why am I banging away? Yeah. What's going on? You're partying. Pardon? You're having a party. Too. I'm having a party, yeah. <laughs> do I, do I take, it take it off? Take it off. We'll get there in a minute. Okay, so, uh, so some of you are, are part of this journey. In fact, many of you 
are part of this journey. Seven pounds for one copy. One person read it and said, you know, I, I believe God is going to use it to touch uh, backsliders, people who've known God, walked with God, been touched by the Spirit of God and no longer walking with God. Uh, and uh, I responded to that and, and heard that. And so I decided that uh, if you were willing to buy two, huh, uh, to give one away to someone who's not walking with God, um, you can have the second one for three quid, so it's ten pounds for two. I've written three other books as well, there at the back, and my friend Stuart uh, has agreed to sell the books for me at the end of the service. We can do credit card, we can do direct banking, we can do money, remember money? Uh, we can do that uh, as well. So, um, great. Uh, thank you very much. Now, I've been given instructions on what I'm to speak on, um, and that's Ephesians 2. I understand that last week uh, um, Phil Orchard spoke, um, and um, was he all right? Was okay, was he? What do you reckon? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, wow. I say he's usually pretty good. Um, <laughs> and uh, that uh, he made mention of, of, of the prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. This prayer of Paul for us to know God better, to have a revelation of the power of God, a revelation of what God has done for us in Christ. And I've been given Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10 and it struck me this week that actually Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10 is, is the revelation that Paul wants us to know. To know the power of God, to understand what God has done for us in Christ. And so uh, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, um, we have this uh, wonderful uh, outworking of what it means to be walking with God, to be in relationship with God, to be enjoying communion with God. I was thinking about Ephesians 1, and of course... Uh, um, we could use the words of the song to describe uh, Ephesians 1. It's all about you, Jesus. Because it's all about him. The work that he did upon the cross, the fact that Jesus is now ascended to the place of absolute authority, and we end chapter 1 with Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, everything under his feet, and this glorious, wonderful picture of the, of the triumphant, victorious Jesus. And then we start chapter 2, and in the good old King James, it says, and you, and you has he made alive, and you. And so chapter 2 is all about you. It's not about Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about what Jesus has done, what that means for you. And so you'll see the words you, we, us, appearing regularly in the passage. How that uh, as a result of what Jesus has done, it has significance for us uh, and speaks to us. And so um, I want us to notice uh, uh, as we look at the scripture 
the number of times the word you, we, us appears in those first 10 verses of chapter 2. It says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience, your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of all those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, even though we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Can you see it? Again and again, us, we, it's all about us, telling us who we are, what we are, what God has done for us in Christ. This is the revelation he wants us to walk in. So God can point to us in the future ages, examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believe. Salvation is a, not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you see that? Highlighted all the you, we and us about that passage. This is all about you. This is all about what God has done for you in Christ. This is all about the splendor and magnificence and wonderful work uh, that Jesus has brought about for us when he died on the cross. There is this wonderful truth of our personal relationship with God, that we are connected with God. In the authorized version, uh, it starts off Ephesians 2 like this. It says, and you has he quickened. I love that. You has he quickened. When we came to Christ, we were quickened. In the NIV, it says, and you has he made alive. We came alive when we connected with God through Christ. We were dead before that, says the scripture. We might have been walking around and breathing. I hope you were before you came to Christ. You might, to all intents and purposes, seem to be alive because I guess the medical definition of life is that your heart's still beating and you're breathing. You're not pronounced dead until your heart stops and, uh, and all signs of pulse have gone. Um, but the scripture, or Paul says here, that we were dead. And of course, the truth of that is that uh, mankind uh, is not just body. Uh, in the scriptures, there's this revelation of man as body, soul, and spirit. The body is this outward part, which is decaying, 
And uh, I noticed since I last saw some of you that you are decaying uh, in different ways, yeah, as I am, yeah. The body, the soul, which is the real you, the part of you that thinks, that feels, that's the real uh, you, the inside person uh, that makes decisions, that thinks and feels. And then there is the spirit of man, which is the part of us that connects with God. And when Adam and Eve sinned uh, in Genesis, that connection with God was broken. Their spirit died. You know, when God said, the moment you eat the, uh, of, the, of the apple, the moment you eat the fruit of the tree, rather, um, uh, it says, you will surely die. Well, they lived for hundreds of years after that, physically. But that moment, they died spiritually. The connection with God was broken. And it's through Christ that that connection with God comes alive again. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Yeah, you've got to be born of the Spirit as well as of water. You know, when we were born uh, initially, our mother's waters broke and we were born, born naturally. Jesus said you've not just got to be born of water, you've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be born again, a con reconnect with God. And in salvation, when we put our faith in Christ, when we invited Jesus to be Lord of our lives, when we confessed our need of salvation, recognized that we had done stuff that disconnected us from God, when we believed in what Jesus had done for us, we came alive. Our spirit came alive and we connected with God. I love uh, Penelope uh, Grace's testimony about the way she came alive when the Holy Spirit came upon her. I remember the day when I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I came alive, that sense of connection with God. I knew his presence and his touch. And, and here Paul says, look, this is what happened to you. You used to live and walk in a different way. You used to be disconnected from God and you did your own thing and you went your own way. But God has made you alive. As you've put your faith in Christ, you've come alive. Ah. So this morning, are you dead or alive? You sure? Anybody here not alive? Ah. Paul wants us to realize the significance of what has happened to us. You has he made alive who were dead. And he goes on to tell us how that we've been released from the past and the effects of the past. In the past, we didn't walk with God. We didn't live in relationship with God. We did our own thing. We went our own way. Own way. We were under uh, a different master. Huh. The prince of the power of the air, even if we didn't realize it, was dictating the steps we took and the way that we went. Huh. But when we came to Christ, we came alive. We connected with God. Our spirit came 
alive. We released from the past and its effect. Realize what it says there. This is how we used to be, but we're not any longer because we've come into relationship with God through Christ. And then he tells us the wonderful things that have happened to us. We've received mercy and love. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That sense of mercy. Again, Grace talked about feeling this sense of condemnation, this, this sense of, uh, of fear uh, of God. But here we understand that as we've come to Christ, as we've been made alive, We've received the mercy of God. God's not judging you for anything that you did in the past. It's forgiven. All guilt is gone. All shame is gone. God has shown you mercy. Did you deserve it? No. But that's what's so wonderful about this salvation. That's what's so marvelous about grace that we'll talk about in just a moment. Is that God because of his love for us, has shown mercy. So everything that you ever did in your past life, a line's been drawn un under it. It's finished. Huh. You come alive in God, and God's mercy has been poured out upon you, and you no longer need to live under the condemnation of your past life of anything that you have done in a previous generation. Because right now, God has shown you mercy because of his extraordinary love. And then, of course, the focus of this message is the grace of God, that we've received grace. And I believe that the, the revelation that Paul wants us to know in chapter 1 and the, 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 the relationship with God that Paul wants us to enjoy is one that understands this amazing truth of grace. We still struggle to understand grace, I think. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor and kindness of God. Should you pay for your sin, yes. Do you deserve to, to face an eternity separated from God because of your sin and the things you've done wrong? Yes. But grace and mercy and love has come. And because of God's unbelievable grace, because he knew we couldn't help ourselves, because he knew we couldn't make ourselves right with him, he came to us with his grace. And grace is not just an abstract idea or a theological thought. It's a powerful force. <laughs> in Hebrews 4, it talks about us finding grace to help in time of need. <laughs> so when you're feeling rubbish and whatever, dance in your kitchen and, well, if it's big enough, yeah, because there is grace to find when, when, uh, when pressures are on us. There is grace and kindness and mercy and love 
from God to pick us up, to lift us up, to strengthen us. And so this incredible, wonderful grace is available to us, but it's available to us on the basis of faith. You've got to believe this, friends. I talk with people who've made commitments to give their life to Christ, uh, but then they keep coming for prayer because they haven't grasped the wonder and splendor of God's grace. They still feel awful about themselves. They still feel under condemnation. They still struggle with issues. And Paul, you know, is so clear about this. You know, in, in Romans 8 verse 1, he says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Whoa! No condemnation. Grace covers it. We're free. We have relationship with God. This is what Paul wants us to know and live in. This wonder, this splendor of knowing that God receives us. That we can come into the very presence of God. Not because we deserve it, but because of his work upon the cross. And so we're now living in a different way understanding the extraordinary nature of God, what God has done for us in Christ. And then Paul says this extraordinary thing in verse 6, that we've been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. So now, because of what God has done for us through the cross, because of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection, we are enabled to live in a totally different way. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, the connection there is in, in, in verse 20 of chapter 1, where it talks about uh, uh, Christ being exalted to the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And it says, we're there with him. And then it goes on to say that everything is under his feet. Everything is under his feet, that he can, he li he's living in victory, he's living in triumph over every circumstance, every difficulty, and he's saying, through Christ, you can do that. Because of God's grace, you can do that. You've been seated there. If you've got a revelation of that, what a difference it would make to you, to how you feel about yourself, to what God says about you, to understand the the magnificence of, of this glorious, wonderful salvation. I have a very high view of salvation. I don't know about you, but I believe in it. I believe in being born again. I believe in an encounter with Jesus Christ that changes your life. I believe that God makes us alive uh, as we come to Christ, according to Ephesians 2. And I, I believe that's what Paul wanted us to know and wanted us to to live in and to enjoy, to, to walk in heavenly places, to live differently. You know, I love the, the, the story of the, the Chinese guy, Brother Young, uh, who loved to go uh, when he was imprisoned by the uh, communists in, in, in China. He loved it when he was given the, uh, the cesspit to, to clear out. And he loved it because he was alone with God and he could know God's presence. And there in that dunghole, 
clearing out all the muck and bullets. Uh, he used to have an encounter with God. And he used to sing. He describes how he used to sing every day. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. That even in the, in the pit, in, in, in the muck and the bullets, he knew this wonderful, glorious sense of God's presence. Seated in heavenly places. Whatever your circumstances, living in a place of relationship with God. I believe that's what Paul is calling us to understand. We can have, we can enjoy, we can know. And so uh, we're presented with that. And then, of course, not, not only is it personal salvation, but there's this sense of personal responsibility as well. That God has done all this <laughs> and saved us for a reason because uh, in verse 10 it says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. He's done this for purpose. And so he's saved you and he's saved me and he's brought us into relationship with him for a reason, for purpose. And he has a purpose for every single one of our lives. Huh. We are his, one version says, masterpiece. So when you came to Christ, there was a blank canvas. And since then, God has been drawing his masterpiece. He's been working on you, working in you, working through you, sorting you out, shaping you, getting you ready for what he has for you. Every single one of us. The other picture is of a sculpture, uh, a sculptor uh, who, who has a block of, uh, of stone and... Uh, He's making a masterpiece and he's chipping away at this block of stone to make something significant and beautiful and glorious. And so God's working on you, working on me, shaping us, preparing us, getting us ready for what he has for us. Huh. Because he has works for you to do. He has something uh, for you to fulfill a work for you to fulfill. And I've been given uh, Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 as well, uh, uh, which uh, I could speak on. Uh, as you can tell, I don't have trouble with words. Um, God has graced me with the ability to speak forever. Uh, but I'm watching the clock. Yeah. Yeah. In Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11, it talks there about God's wider plan. It talks about God's plan through the church. God's purpose in all this, it says. So everything that God has done has been building up to this, was to use the church, that's us, that's we. So God's personal salvation, God preparing you uh, uh, to, to do his work, God working on you is so that we together as the church might display his wisdom in all its rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you realize again, this is a phenomenal truth, that every single one of us here who've had a connection with Jesus Christ we're part of, are, are part of God's eternal plan. God's eternal plan is to use the church 
to fulfill his purpose. For each one of us to be shaped and got ready for the works that he has for us, that we together as the church might display the magnificent wisdom of God into the world in which he's placed us. You and I together as this glorious church. That's the authority and influence that God has put in our hands. I remember reading the leadership book by Bill Hybels and in the first chapter he talks about his life and how he finished university uh, and his training and he was eating breakfast and he talked to God and said, God, now what do I do with the rest of my life? And he felt God drop into his heart this simple phrase, the hope of the world is the church. The hope of the world is the church. And so he gave his life to the church, for the church. Huh. Not to build buildings and whatever, but that we as the church might display the glorious splendor and wonder and magnificence of the salvation that is available through Christ. Huh that we might display the kingdom of God. And so here, I don't know who's doing Ephesians 3, but it talks there about the mystery of God being revealed. This, was, this is what God always had in his mind, that he was going to do this. So you and I are part of this extraordinary, eternal plan that God had to save you and I, to connect us with God, to make us alive, to reveal his grace in us and through us, to show his mercy to us, to fill us with his Holy Spirit, that we might walk with him in heavenly places, that we together might be the church and as part together of the church, we might display his glorious wisdom to the world in which we live. Wow. That's our mandate, that's his plan, that's his purpose, that's what we're about. Huh. As I come to an end uh, this morning, I've got two challenges or questions for you. First one is, are you dead or alive? Have you connected with Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you invited Jesus to come into your life and change you? Huh. That's the first question. Because that's where this all starts. It's not about religion or coming to church or doing a list of this or that. It's about understanding that you can't help yourself and you need Jesus to come into your life and help you. <laughs> sort you out. Deal with the stuff in your past and connect you with God. You see, being a Christian is about relationship with God. And without Christ, if you have not had a personal encounter with Jesus, then according to the definition that Paul has, you're still dead. Your spirit is dead, but you need your spirit to come alive. How do you do that? By believing in Jesus, by inviting Jesus to come into your life, by recognizing that his death and resurrection has made the way for you to know him. The second challenge of this morning is this. Do you know his purpose and plan for your life? Do you know what God has for you? Have you discovered 
your reason for being? Have you caught this sense of the eternal plan of God, that you're part of it, that being part of the church means you're part of of this body of people who've discovered God's purpose for their lives and are serving him to see his manifold wisdom expressed in our day and generation. I'm sure there'll be a prayer team uh, ready at the end of the gathering uh, to pray for you. If you need to know Jesus, please, please come and connect with him. If you're struggling with understanding your purpose, please come for prayer. If you're sick, please come for prayer. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm sure Grace will come down here, lay hands on you. If you were jealous of, of her description of how she, how she encountered God, and you say, I want that, I'm sure she'll lay hands on you and release something of the anointing of the Spirit to you. Uh, and so as I hand back to uh, our host, to Rachel, yeah.